A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, enriching all who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can, you, but how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone to preach? And how can people preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not everyone has heeded the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what was heard from us? Thus faith comes from what is heard. What is heard comes through the word of Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Certainly they did. For their voice has gone forth to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. Verbum Domini.
Dominus Fabiscum. <coughs> Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. Casting a net into the sea, they were fishermen. He said to them, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. He walked along from there and saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Verbum Dohomini. Today we celebrate the feast of Saint Andrew, the brother of Peter, who's a martyr. Of course, he was Jewish from Galilee, but he has a Greek name. <clears throat> and the Greek language at that time <clears throat> was the language of commerce throughout the Mediterranean world. 
After Alexander the Great had conquered the region, it was established as this predominant language. <clears throat> and the New Testament itself is composed in Greek. And interestingly, the Via Maris, this uh, way of the sea, this trade route, goes right through, possibly, Bethsaida, but right through that region of the Sea of Galilee. And this was a major trade route. It, it existed since 3000 BC. And so this is where Peter and Andrew uh, made their home. And it would go from Damascus all the way down to Cairo along the Mediterranean. So it was a, a, a route of, of Jewish commerce, you know, bringing various foodstuffs and wares and luxury items even. And it was also a route to explore the ancient world and bring back some new ideas from around the ancient world. And I love that image. Like you can imagine this is where Jesus, where people would hear the call of Jesus and where the gospel would first be preached and proclaimed and heard along these dusty roads, we could say, that were so ancient and used for other things. So we see that passage in the passage today, Jesus is walking by, sees Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Other encounters in John's gospel, we see that Andrew is with John the Baptist. John the Baptist points Jesus out as, Behold the Lamb of God. And they have this exchange. Peter turns to him and says, What do you seek? And they ask, Where are you staying? He says, Come and see. And then Andrew goes and tells his brother Peter, You know, we have found the Messiah. You know, with John the Baptist, it was probably Andrew and St. John the Evangelist. But he goes and gets Peter this this enthusiasm, this excitement about this encounter, what they have found. So because of this, he is called the Proto-Kletos, the first call, first called in the gospel. And he goes and spreads that and brings others uh, to encounter Christ themselves. We see him in John chapter 6, that the great multiplication of the loaves, the first part of the chapter, and it's Simon Peter's brother Andrew who said to him, you know, they, have enough, they don't have enough food to feed this great crowd. And he said, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but what are they among so many? You know, it shows a certain observance, openness, relationship, you're looking for solutions, seeking help, and at the same time recognizing in, is insufficient resources, right? <laughs> an awareness of his, their poverty, their condition, where they're at. They got to steal this young boy's lunch. <laughs> Barley loaves, the bread of the poor, and Jesus does something with it. We see him asking the question with others, you know, when will the destruction of the temple happen after Jesus prophesies about it? We see him being a mediator with Greek speakers coming that want to see Jesus and brings them to Jesus. And after that, Jesus gives this very powerful teaching in John's gospel 
Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And verses later, he'll say, when the Son of Man's lifted up, he will draw men to himself. That through his death, he's the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies, bears much fruit. Doesn't remain just a seed, but becomes a plant, a bush, and produces other seeds. That his death bears fruit, that dying, falling to the ground and dying. And this is bigger than just the Jewish nation. These Greeks are coming to hear him. This is going to be the church of the world, that this is for all, a huge fruitfulness. So we see he's been called the apostle to the Greek world. And it's believed he was martyred in Patras, Greek, a seaport. He was nailed to a different kind of cross like Peter. Peter uh, was crucified upside down. Andrew was nailed, or he was tied to a, a diagonal cross, an X. It's called St. Andrew's Cross today. And our cross, our own crosses in our life, shares in the fruitfulness of Christ. Pope Benedict would say that by that cross alone, our sufferings too are ennobled and acquire their true meaning. By that cross, by Jesus' cross, we share in that fruitfulness of that grain of wheat. Our sufferings are ennobled and acquire, acquire their true meaning in him. That suffering has meaning that it is fruitful, that it participates in the mission of Jesus Christ, his suffering, death, and resurrection. And Andrew also teaches us to be prompt in following the Lord. They drop their nets. They're literally casting nets into the sea. Presumably they've already encountered them, maybe through John the Baptist. But they, when they receive the call, come follow me, they drop their nets, roll them up, package them up, storm for next year maybe, I don't know. <laughs> drop their nets, this immediacy. And then presumably he speaks enthusiastically about him when he tells Peter, you know, that first time. So he's bringing others to Christ. And that's what we hear in the first reading, Romans 10. Faith comes from what is heard. It's not a product of our own thought or reflection. It's something new. It's something we can't invent. It's something that comes from God. It's received. Faith comes through hearing. I was thinking about it in my life. I had a number of people had a conversion experience after college, and that's... I, was, I didn't have a lot of great books at the time. And even at one point, I did have you know, classics of, of Catholicism. But I remember just conversations I had with believers that, so, that God used in such a powerful way to make an impression on me. I think anointed by the Holy Spirit. There's something that happens 
when the two are there, gathered. So it's not just interior. You know, God can do it whatever way he wants, but generally it's not just interior, but it's about this relationship with someone, Jesus Christ. The fact that it happens in hearing, it implies there's someone else, you know, to preach that, to spread that, and ultimately that means Christ. So it implies an encounter with Christ. And then Paul talks about how can people preach, how can one preach without being sent? So you're, they're sent, and it's taken up in that dynamic of the Father sending the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's that word with the Holy Spirit that convicts hearts, that gets implanted in us and grows and creates this communion with others. Haven't we all experienced that bond of sharing the faith with someone else? We could be from very different backgrounds, not even speak the same language. You see this at World Youth Day, but you can feel this great fellowship of believers in faith. St. Andrew, it is believed by some that he, some stories you read that because he was tied to that cross, he languished for two days and he preached from that cross. This, this different cross, this cross, an X, because he thought he was unworthy to die like our Lord. This incredible humility. You think of the Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your mercy and your faithfulness. Boy, how radically impressed upon these apostles, evangelists, that it's not to us, not to us, but to your name give the glory. The victory is the Lord's. And the real path forward in the world and through the chaos and evil of the world is the path of the saints, that those who shared in the death and resurrection of Christ. Andrew distanced himself clearly from the thought that he was anything in himself. And sometimes we can struggle with that. What are the right words? Do we have the right plans here? Do we have the right... Um, set up, you know, situation, circumstances, these solutions maybe we think we need to have, or just say just the right thing, or have just the right people around us, right? He's crucified and languishing on a cross and preaching. And that's an opportunity for all Christians, because we have, all have a cross in our life, and that cross preaches. That cross is a witness to others. It points others to where is this person getting the strength to endure this? It's Jesus Christ. Lumen Gentium, Vatican document of the church says, finally, all Christ faithful, whatever be the conditions, duties, and circumstances of their lives, and indeed, through all these, will daily increase in holiness if they receive all things with faith from the hand of their heavenly Father. And if they cooperate with the divine will in this temporal service, they will manifest to all men the love with which God loved the world. To receive 
all things with faith from the hand of their Heavenly Father. There's plenty of crosses in our life to accept them with faith. And that manifests God's love for the world. We see in the cross that that greatest evil to put Jesus to death, the Son of God, is turned into the greatest good of our redemption. And that redemption is greater ontologically than the creation of the whole world, the whole universe. That's a greater good than creation itself, that redemption. So Jesus uses those things in our life, these crosses, for this great good, for this fruitfulness. I was thinking, what, what would you say if you're in that situation? You know, if you were preaching from the cross, what are the essentials that you would say about Jesus to others? Because in a sense, you know, we are every day in our struggles. We're called to proclaim him as the Son of God, that he alone is the one in whom we have salvation, that he alone is the source of all good. In him we find our peace, our joy. In him we see God's will. He places a call in our life to come follow him, to have fellowship with him, to have communion with him, to receive his Holy Spirit. There's no salvation in any other, certainly not in the world or in ourselves. It is in Christ alone. He is everything. He is the source and goal of our entire Christian life. May we faithfully proclaim and witness to that truth.